this year the beginning of the year the lord gave us a word that this is a year of diligence diligence requires for us to pay close attention to every aspect of our lives and there is a lot of fixing that needs to be done so that we can be diligent christians because the hands of the diligent shall rule that's what the bible says the diligent will have dominion amen the hands of the diligent will have dominion when we want if we want to really experience dominion in our lives in our city in our nation this year then we have to grow as diligent believers diligent christians amen and that's why we've been very carefully going through topics that will help us to walk and grow in diligence if you remember what what are some of the topics that we covered this year rest joy honor sorry kingdom kingdom come you know was, what else what did we do in february loyalty loyalty and this month we are in the topic of faith amen faith is very very essential for our walk with god we don't just begin our walk with god in faith we also sustain our walk with god through faith sometimes what we think is faith is for the new believers for the people that are not born again yet but i am already in the church i'm already a christian i'm already believing in jesus what why do i need to be believe what do i need to do you know to to grow in faith and that's where i'd like to remind you a prayer that the disciples prayed let's go to luke chapter 17 and verse 5 are you ready to read it with me 1 2 3 go the apostles said to the lord show us loudly show us how to increase who is saying this the apostles are saying this come on read it one more time the apostles said to the lord show us how to increase our faith show us how to increase our faith see these are people that are walking with jesus these are people that already believe in jesus these are people that have a relationship with jesus but now they are asking jesus can you please show us reveal to us give us a method give us a open door so our faith can increase can we keep our hands on our heart and say lord show us increase our faith this morning when we walk out of here we want to go with greater faith yeah we want to go with a higher level of faith today we we cannot go back the same way that we came in we want to go back even more sharper amen so the story that we are going to be focusing on is uh, of uh, the shipwreck that Ap apostle paul had i mean if you know the shipwreck that he had it's an amazing story but you know i like the fact that whoever wrote the book of acts dr luke he took a lot of time to give us details of this shipwreck instead of just saying okay apostle paul was in a shipwreck he spent time in narrating details how it happened what did they go through what were the emotions how did they go through it step by step 
it's mentioned. What we're going to do is go through this and we, are, we, we will ask the Lord to give us the grace to grow in our faith. Amen? The book of Acts chapter 27 and verse 13. The Bible says, When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors, they thought, everybody say thought, they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and they sailed close to the shore of a place called Crete. So these guys, they are experienced sailors. They have journeyed on these waters before. They have, you know, sailed on uh, these deep oceans and they know when they should set sail. And they know when they should park, when they should put their anchors and when they should stay. These guys, they know in their understanding, they have learned because of their experience, because of watching other people go through what they have gone through. There is a certain level of dependence that they have upon their own knowledge. So that's why it says the sailors, they thought that they could make it. They thought that they could make it. But the history is such that Apostle Paul, he had spoken to them and said, I don't think it's a good idea to go. If you read the previous verses, you would see that Apostle Paul had warned them, I don't think we should go now. It's not going to be safe. But the sailors, they calculated everything. They checked how much money they have in their bank account. They checked how many people are there to support them. They checked what job description they have. And they said, no, 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 I think we can make it. I think this is doable. I think this is possible. I think I, I can, I think I can make it when, you know, if, if I make a commitment to buy a house, I think I can make it. You know, we have those calculations and planning in our head, right? Come on, anybody who goes to buy a house without a planning? Come on, talk to me. That's not like going and buying a phone. You know, a phone EMI lasts for what, 12 months? But a house EMI, it's for 30 years. You know, it depends on how much. And it's not something that you would step in without calculation. You, you would prepare yourself well. You would plan yourself well. You know how much you have. You know how much will be required. You know how much you're earning. You know what is your capacity. You know if something goes wrong, what can be done. You would, you would do your planning in every uh, way. And that's when you would finally give a commitment. And that's what these guys did. They thought that they could make it. And that is why they pulled up their anchor from one place and they set sail to the next place. The Bible says in verse 14, read it with me. But the weather, it changed abruptly and the wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. See, these guys, they were experienced sailors, so they, they said, what we're going to do is we're going to stay close to the island. Crete was an island. And they wanted to just stay close to the land where if something goes wrong, they can immediately find shelter. But the Bible says, because the weather changed, because the weather changed abruptly, it says they, the wind, it brought them away from the island and deep into the sea. Deep into the sea. 
Now, it's very normal for us to be in a place of questioning and complaining when something like this happens. Because we are like, God, we did our job. We did all the planning. We did all the calculation. We did everything. Then why is it that I got disconnected from here and now I'm in the middle of nowhere? See, the first thing is, you, you didn't obey what the man of God asked you to do. And the second thing is that if God has to help you to increase your faith, what God usually does is take you away from the shore and put you in the middle of the ocean. See, when the disciples, when their faith had to be increased, do you know what Jesus did? He said, get into the boat and cross over to the other side. And in the middle of the night, Jesus came walking on the sea. Not just Jesus came walking, there was lot of wind and the waves and storm and in the midst of all of that Jesus came walking that's how Jesus increases the faith of his disciples see this is a training that not everybody didn't require but the disciples because they said we want to increase in our faith we want to grow in our faith they required this training they required to be in the middle of the sea where they don't trust in anything else, where they, there is no land to bank upon so that their faith can be built on that. And that is where Peter, for the very first time, walked on the water. And that is what Paul is about to experience here as well. I'll go there in a, in a while. It says, all of a sudden, the weather changed in a way that it, it just went against their expectations it went against their calculation it went against all their plans and everything that they had saved up for verse 15 it says the sailors they couldn't turn the ship into the wind so what did they do so they finally they gave up and let it run before the gale the gale means the storm or or, or you know the, the winds they were trying their best to control the ship. I'm sure that these guys were very experienced guys. They know because they're working for the government. You understand? Working for the government, I mean, these guys are running the ship for the commander of the Roman army. You don't mess with these guys. They are not working, you know, it's not like you don't get paid. You lose your head if you do something wrong in this case. So these guys are experienced, you know, sailors. And yet, the Bible says, no matter how hard they tried, they just couldn't turn the ship into the wind. And that's why they finally gave up. And they said, let's see where it goes. Let's see where it ends up. Let's see what is going to be the end of this story. I don't think I have it in me to fight anymore. I don't think I have it in me to drive this into into the wind anymore i don't think i can stand firm anymore let let's just go with the flow and that and that's what these guys did they they could have continued to persevere but they they just came to a point where they're like i don't see any point of this i've prayed enough we've worked hard enough we have put enough money as offerings we've done all these things and still nothing seems to be working for me now let let me just give up and the bible says when they gave up it says they sailed along the the, the sheltered side so this time this sailing 
is not happening because of their experience. You understand? In the previous verse, it says that they gave up trying to put it into the wind. Now, they are not sailing according to their experience. Now, they are sailing according to the direction of the wind. Now, wherever the storm goes, they also go. Now, wherever the problem goes, they also go. It says that, the sa that they sailed because of that storm, because of that gale, they sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Coda, where with great difficulty, we hoisted abroad the lifeboat being towed behind us. So what did they do? They, they, they reached this place where they could finally find some sense of stability. And what, did, what the first thing that they did as soon as they found stability is to just, you know, hoist abroad the, the lifeboat. They, they pulled up the lifeboat and this lifeboat was being towed behind them. They pulled it up and the Bible says in the next verse, verse 17, then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to do what? To strengthen it. Because they were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis, off the African coast. So what they did is they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship down and they were driven before the wind. So you see, step by step, we are given understanding on how the sailors are trying to maneuver through the storm. First, they stopped getting into the wind. Then they allowed the storm to control them. Okay, All that, all that they are trying to do is they are just trying to sail and just, just stay afloat. And then finally, the Bible says, with great difficulty in the midst of the storm, with great difficulty, they, 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 they put up the, hoisted the lifeboat and they made sure that the lifeboat will catch some wind and stay afloat. And the, the next verse it says, then they began to strengthen it so that, you know, all along the way that they were traveling, there was a lot of dangers, a lot of places where the ship could just uh, hit the sandbars and it can, it can be a shipwreck. But they kept strengthening the ship wherever they could, however they could. They kept repairing the ship. Finally, verse 18, it says, the next day, the, the, the storm increased, okay? It, it's like going from bad to worse. It says, the next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, now the crew understood that we cannot continue the way that we have been continuing. So now they're, what they're doing is now that they, they start throwing the cargo that they had overboard. So they had... They had prepared for the next few months, you know, traveling on a ship is not like a flight that we take from one country to the other. We reach, we, we don't prepare for the journey. Even the meal that we need, we get on the flight. But if you're on a ship, you have to prepare fully for the next three months. And not only do you prepare for the few months that you're on the water, you also prepare to take cargo from one place to the other. There's a lot of transportation that happens. The Bible says they reached such a point in their journey where they understood that now we cannot take this cargo with us wherever we go. We'll have to lighten ourselves. So they started disconnecting from, from people. 
they started disconnecting from their baggages they started disconnecting from their situation there, there were so many things that they were carrying that they were excited about taking to the other place that they had thought is going to now also help provide for us during our journey that they are now disconnecting from it one thing at a time so sometimes the lord is going to take us into a journey where we will have to not just disconnect from our own experiences not just disconnect from our own ability to steer through the storm he is also going to take us to a place where we will have to disconnect from some people that we depend on some things that we depend on some some habits that we depend on and and it isn't it is only in seasons of storms that these guys will throw off their cargo all the cargo that they are very proud about they are never going to throw it off in seasons of peace in seasons of calm it takes sometimes it takes a season of being in a storm to reveal to you what you really need and what you really don't need so we thank god for those storms in our life that helps us to throw some cargo overboard some sometimes not because this cargo is bad but because you need a revelation of where your faith your trust really is you need an understanding of where your dependence is you need a revelation of who is the voice speaking into your life you need a revelation of who is going to take you to the other side of this sea are you ready for the next verse see it's one thing to throw the cargo okay because the cargo is not what runs the ship but let's read the next verse okay the following day what did they do so the first day they 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 did everything possible to strengthen the ship to try and do everything and then they started throwing out the cargo the next day it says the following day they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard can you imagine they're saying okay i don't think the steering wheel is any helpful now anyways the wind is the one controlling so let's throw off the steering wheel and they're like okay i don't think this sail is helping us anymore let's throw the sails off every gear even the gear that they need on the ship this is when you know that they are very very serious that they that they they have lost all hope because now they are saying that we, we don't even want to reach anywhere we just want to survive and and they are getting rid of the same mechanism that is running them that is helping them stay afloat that is how desperate these guys are where they are now throwing off the same gear that that the ship is now running on are you getting what i'm saying yeah. the next verse it says this terrible storm we only heard about two days right it says this terrible storm raged for many days eventually blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone so do you see what's happening here gradually one day at a time all their hope is getting destroyed the first day it was the uh, you know the fact that they couldn't control the direction so they gave up and they let the 
storm control the direction the second day they realized man it's it's not going to work out for us to transport so much of cargo from here to there so let's try and lighten the ship throw away the cargo the next day they are like okay what's the point of keeping a nice uh, steering wheel if we can't even stay alive so they throw away all the expensive equipments that run this ship okay the next day they keep doing this every day they they keep giving up one thing after the other eventually the bible says they lost all hope and this is at a time it says where they couldn't even see the sun or the stars for days they have not seen the sun or the stars see for somebody who is sailing it is the sun that gives them direction yeah because they know which direction the sun is rising from and they see which direction they are the sun is setting there's no other sense of direction on the sea you can't ask anybody for direction where is africa is it left turn right turn you you, you can't do that on the sea you just travel in the direction of the sun and here for days they have no idea which direction to direct the ship in because you know for all they know they may be going further and further into the ocean do you see how hopeless these guys are right now it says until they reached a point where they lost all hope every hope had to be stripped away every last ounce of dependence on flesh had to be taken away every last dependence on friends and family and resources had to be stripped away all hope had to be disconnected verse 21 it says no one had eaten for a very long time these guys they are so occupied in fighting the storms in directing themselves through the storm that in these last two weeks they have not eaten food does it happen in our lives where we we may be so caught up trying to you know fire fight our way through life that we we forget the importance to sit at the feet of Jesus we forget the importance to read the bible we forget the importance to eat food so it says then finally paul called the crew together and said men let me tell you something you should have listened to me in the first place because there was an instruction a very clear instruction that we should not leave crete but you didn't listen to me which you know is the reason why we are here if you would have listened you would have avoided all the damage and the loss in other words it was not god's will for these guys to lose all this cargo it was not god's will for them to lose all these relationships it was not god's will for them to lose all these blessings but it was because of an initial disobedience that they lost all of this so now paul is saying if you would have listened we would not have lost but now that we have lost this is my next instruction church this is this is where we need to remember that our god is a god of second chances he never gives up even when we give up even when we forget what god is speaking to us he never gives up it says in verse 22 he's telling them but take courage none of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down paul what are you saying 
You're saying there will be no ground underneath us, but we will be alive? See, Paul is not giving us details that the ship will reach an island or someplace. All that he's saying is the ship will be lost, but the people will be saved. This is not a logical prophecy. This is not understandable in the, in the, in the, in the mind and the logic of these people. Because what he's saying is, take courage. Why should I take courage? He's speaking to a people who have absolutely no hope left. He's speaking to a people who have not eaten for 14 days. He's speaking to a people who have no gear left on the ship. He's speaking to a people who have no cargo left. He's speaking to a people who have absolutely no reason to believe this. And he's telling them, take courage. Because none of your lives will be lost, even though the ship will be lost. So, you know what God was trying to do here? There was a word that came to them initially, which they didn't believe, right? Because they didn't believe, the reason they didn't believe on that word is because there were all these other things that they could depend on. They were like, have you even seen this ship? Have you seen what all it can sustain? So what God started doing is, is like, okay, let me start taking away one thing at a time till all that is left for you is this voice. And then the voice came back saying, now I'm telling you, take courage. This time they have nothing else to hope on. They don't have a sun to look at. They don't have stars to look at. They don't have gear. They don't have anything to depend on. All that they have left is the voice of God. And somebody said, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Hearing the words of Jesus. Faith doesn't come when you see a blessing. Faith doesn't come when a door opens up for you. Faith doesn't come because your boss gave you a promotion. Sometimes those things can stand in the way of your faith. Sometimes God has to strip those things off so that you can have faith. The reason I'm teaching you this today is so that God doesn't have to strip those things off. Like I told you in the start, it was not God's will to strip these blessings or these relationships. If only these guys had valued the voice of God over the logic and the understanding and the experience that they had, they would have never had to go through all these losses. But now that they have gone through all these losses, they have come to a place where they are left with nothing and nobody else except that voice. Except the man of God who is bringing that voice. And the man of God says, take courage. Look at your neighbor and say, pastor says, take courage. Do not be discouraged. Now, see, it's very easy for us to look at your neighbor and say, oh, don't worry, everything will be all right. Because we know, okay, if this doesn't work out, something else will. If they don't get to go to America, they can go to Canada. If they don't get to go to Canada, they can at least go to Dubai. If Dubai doesn't work out, at least Malaysia will work out. You know, we have this plannings. But for these guys, for Paul to speak to these guys and say, wait a minute, take courage, it was very risky because they had nothing else to put their hope on. Why should I take courage, Pastor? What is left in my life? 
Who do I have in my life? How much money do I have left? Can you see how I have spent all my earning on doctors in the last 12 years? I have nothing left. The only thing left for me is Jesus. And, and that is the situation of these sailors when, they, when Paul is saying, now I want you to take courage because this is the word of the Lord. None of you will lose your life. The ship will sink, but your life will be held. Because there is the word of God that is stronger than the ground that you stand on. There is a word of God that is more secure than the employment of your company. There is a word that comes from a high place that is better than the assurance that your spouse made to you on your wedding day. There is a word that comes from God which is better than all the promises that your parents made to you. There is a word, I'm telling you, there is a word that we can stand on which has to become our ultimate hope giver. The word has to become our ultimate trust. The word has to become our ultimate belief system. And that's why the Bible says, none of your lives will be lost. None of your promises will be lost. None of your destinies will be aborted. There may be some things that you may lose in the journey because of your disobedience. There may be, you know, when you look at the life of Job, he had a lot of temporary losses, but he also lost the opportunity to serve his 10 children, his first 10 children. He had another 10 after the, you know. But then the first 10 children, he, he temporarily lost his relationship with them till eternity because you know of all the reasons why he went through whatever he went through now the, the the point is this as much as our losses are real as much as our problems are real if we would just begin to focus on the word of god on the voice of god if we would just focus on what god is speaking to me now Forget about what I disobeyed in my yesterday. But can I know what is God speaking to me today? And see, it's, it was much more easier for these guys to believe on the island that, hey, don't travel today, let's travel tomorrow. Than for them to believe on the ship that the ship will not be there, but you will be alive. It would have been much more easier to believe then than now. But now they are left with no other option but to now take courage. Because if they lose courage, no matter how much God has planned good things for them, they are going to sink. See, if God had to rescue them, then God didn't have to send Apostle Paul on that ship and, and try to get him to encourage. You know, if God has to rescue, God will rescue without us believing or not believing. But why is Apostle Paul teaching them to take courage? Because if they don't take courage then for sure they are going to sink. If they don't man up at this point, if they don't become bold, if they don't start believing now, then it will be too late for their lives. So this morning's word, it's not just an encouragement, it's also a warning to some people. I know you are in the middle of the ship and you're about to sink and you're about to drown, but this is the time where you need to start believing and just, and just stop trying to do things on your own ability 
Stop trying to depend on the gear that you had. Stop trying to depend on the people that you had. Stop trying to depend on your own understanding. This is the time when you have to start believing in the voice of God. Believing to the extent that that voice of God now becomes the ground that you stand on. That becomes your plan B. Let me, let me read on. Okay, This is very interesting because it says, verse 23, For last night, it says, An angel of the Lord, whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness is granted the safety to everyone sailing with you. In other words, what Paul is saying is, I was one among you. I had lost my courage too. I myself was in fear. Because when the angel came to me, what's the first thing the angel said? You don't have to fear. Why would the angel say that to somebody who is not afraid? See, it says for 14 days, they reached such a hopeless situation that even the man of God, Apostle Paul, he began to fear for his life. Where he was, along with everybody else, he was the man who, who had obeyed God, who did everything that God wanted him to do. He was the man who was faithful to God. And yet, now he's on a ship because of somebody else's disobedience. Because of somebody else's ignorance. Because of somebody else not walking with God. Because of somebody else not listening to the voice of God. Now he has lost his own hope as well. He is caught up with somebody else's problems. Do you see what's happening to Apostle Paul? And Apostle Paul is about to sink along with everybody else. And if he doesn't take courage, he himself is going to sink as well. And that's why the angel came and said, Paul, you need to now get out of fear. You need to get rid of this fear. And you need to believe with me that you are going to stand trial before Caesar. And the goodness of God is such. See, God is not obligated to save everybody else. But the goodness of God is that he will do a little extra. Do you know what is goodness? You know what is goodness? If, if, you, if you read the fruit of the Spirit... There are three levels. Do you remember that? Patience, kindness, and goodness. You know what patience is? Patience is, if you hit me, I don't hit you back. Do you know what is kindness? Kindness is, if you hit me, I don't complain to the police. Do you know what is goodness? If you hit me, I will show the other cheek to you. I will go over and beyond and I, I will do everything possible to allow you to take more advantage of me. Do you understand the difference between patience, kindness and goodness? God is kind to everybody. God is patient with a lot of people. Not, but God is not, his goodness is not revealed to everybody. But here the Bible says because of Apostle Paul who was on the ship, the goodness is now going to extend. God is not obligated to save everybody else. God is only obligated to save Apostle Paul. But because of the goodness of God, God is going to do above and beyond what he should be doing. He is going to go 
an extra mile and save that family member of yours who is still rebelling against God. He's going to save that, that, that church friend that you're sitting with and, and he's going to make sure they have the same encounter you have. I know that they don't worship like you do. I know that they don't pray like you do. But because of the goodness of God in your life, other people are going to experience an overflow of your encounters. They are going to experience an overflow of your relationships. They are going to experience an overflow of your blessings in Jesus' mighty name. God is saying, Paul, you don't have to be afraid because you will stand trial before Caesar. That is your destiny. Your destiny will not be thwarted. But because of my goodness in your life, because my goodness is pursuing you, all the others are also going to be saved because of my goodness in your life. How many of us are thankful for the goodness of God in our life? See, the fact that you are saved, it is the mercy of God and it is the grace of God. You, you're already under covenant relationship now. You understand? But there are, there are people who are not in that covenant relationship. There are situations that are not in that covenant relationship. In other words, if you take up a business that was not supposed to be done in the first place, that is not under that covenant relationship. But the goodness of God is such that even when you've done something that Ah, man, this, this is something I should not have done. God knows in His goodness how to cover that as well. Yeah, that is what I'm trying to say, that the goodness of God will come and help you even when you don't deserve it, in areas where you don't deserve it. Amen? So Apostle Paul says, verse 25, So take courage, for I believe God, and it will be just as He said. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I believe God. And it will be just as he said. No, 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 no. You have to say it louder. I believe God. And it will be just as he said. Come on, look at another neighbor and say, I also believe God. And it will be just as he said. So Apostle Paul is telling the sailors. He's saying, God spoke to me. This is my conviction. This is what God has revealed to me. I don't care if you believe, but I believe. I don't care if you understand, but I understand it perfectly well. I don't care if you will walk with God or not, but I am going to walk with God. I believe it. Even if you want to sink, I believe that you are not going to sink. This is the word of the Lord and I believe it. I believe it. Apostle Paul is speaking to a generation of hopeless sailors. He's speaking to people who have given up. And he's saying, I believe the word of the Lord concerning your life. I believe the word of the Lord. I believe the word of the Lord. There are so many times when I've, I've come, I've experienced, you, you know, a great time of ministry. And, 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 and then, you know, I would, I would experience, I would meet people who have... Uh, who, are comp who look like, man, nothing, nothing good will come out of this guy. But then the Lord says, hey, your goodness is going to overflow into that guy's life. The goodness of God that is for me is going to overflow into my church. The goodness of God that is upon my life, it is going to overflow into my sons and daughters. 
When God says that, you have no option but to believe that. And, and sometimes we have to thank God for those people that believe and we don't have the faith to believe for ourselves. We have to thank God for our pastors who believe and we don't believe for ourselves. You know, I was talking to this person this last week who said, I don't have the strength to believe. It's okay because there is somebody else who can believe for you. There's somebody else who is saying, ah, I've heard God. I know God. I have walked with God. Uh, yes, I was in the same mess 14 days back. But last night something shifted in my spirit. And I know where we are headed. I know what we are about to experience. And I'm telling you that you are going to rise up. Even if you don't understand it, I'm telling you, you are going to experience the goodness of God. <laughs> but the next statement is funny. He says, but... But there will be a shipwreck. We will be shipwrecked on an island. We will be. Yes, this is the word of the Lord that we will be saved. The ship will sink, but we will be saved. But we will also be shipwrecked on an island. Very confusing word. Because if the ship will be wrecked into an island, you, if, if the ship runs itself aground into an island, the ship can still be saved. If it's only if the ship breaks down in the middle of the ocean that this ship cannot be saved. But if in the previous verses, he tells them the ship cannot be saved. The ship, you are going to lose the ship. And then he says, no, 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 but we're also going to be shipwrecked into an island. Okay, let's read on. It says, about midnight on the 14th night of the storm, we were being driven across the sea of Adria. Then the sailors, they sensed that the land was near. So, so these guys, they are still functioning in their senses. Do you see, the man of God has said, that don't worry, we are going to be alright, we are going to be fine. But they are like, yes, yes, we believe pastor, we believe, yes, yes. They come to church, they shout hallelujah, they say amen, they, they, they are like, you know, on fire when the service is going on. But come midnight, they're activating their senses. They're on Google doing research. How do I save myself now, you know? They're still back to the same senses that they were depending on before the word of God came. So guess what they happen? It says... So they dropped a weighted line and they found that the water was 120 feet deep. And a little later they measured again and they found it was only 90 feet deep. So they sensed something and they started looking for facts. So the, what were their sense and the facts that they got was in alignment. What they sensed was that the land was close. What they sensed was that, oh, something is wrong with my body. They went and did a medical checkup and what they found was the fact that there is something wrong with my body. So whatever they sensed and whatever they found was in, in sync. Okay? At this rate, they were afraid that they would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship. And they prayed for daylight. So all of a sudden they realized, man, if we continue like this, we are going to 
be shipwrecked very soon so immediately they put the anchors down and they 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 came to a place of rest and then they began to pray then they began to believe on what god has spoken so you should remember for 14 days they have not seen daylight but after the word of god came they now they are beginning to pray for daylight they are beginning their desire for daylight has returned you remember they they reached a place after they lost the sun and the stars that all hope had gone and when there is no hope they stop praying they stop desiring for it but now after the word of god came they, they their desire is returning now they are starting to desire one more time they are saying they prayed for daylight they came to a season of rest but then the bible says in verse 30 after they prayed you know after they built their altars after they sang the nice songs it says then the sailors they tried to abandon the ship why because the man of god prophesied the ship is going to sink if if i'm not on the ship i'm safe come on now isn't that logical the ship is the one that is going to sink right the, so this if i just resign from this company just before the ship sinks if i if i get out of this marriage just in time I think I, I, you know, so this is where we we activate our own senses. This is where we depend on our own understanding, and we think that oh, if I can just do this, then I can be safe. Then I can just protect myself. That I can still be, you know, alive at the end of the story. They are still not believing and standing on the word that God gave. They are still depending on their own ability to be alive. Let Let's read this. It says. The sailors they tried to abandon the ship and they lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship on the back they had already put the anchors four anchors you remember now they are lowering the lifeboat on the front side of the ship the lifeboat is technically their last hope okay it says they they start they 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 are preparing to abandon the ship they're like okay this is it paul the man of god has already said the ship is not going to make it so let's get rid of this ship but paul he said to the commanding officer and he and he replied to this and he and he told the soldiers you will all die unless the sailors stay abroad aboard hmm pastor what are you saying i'm saying the ship is going to sink but you have to stay on the ship <laughs> I'm saying this is not going to your solution is not going to come because of this job but stay in this job. I'm saying this blessing is not going to be because of your husband but stay connected to him. I'm saying that hey this is this is not a this is not the church it's not the church that is going to pay your bills but stay in the church. The ship is going to give up at some point but stay on the ship. Again and again you're going back to your senses. again and again you're depending on your logic again and again you're depending on your own rational and today the lord is calling us to repent from that dependence and and god and see how severe the warning is this time last time paul didn't say you're going to die now paul is being very strict in saying if you get off this ship you are going to die 
you are going to die. I hope you are listening to me in this spirit. There are some things that the Lord doesn't want you to quit on. Even if there is no gears left, even if there is no cargo left, even if with your, with your understanding you know the ship is going to sink. And with the man of God himself has prophesied and given confirmation, you know the ship is going to sink. And still, the Lord is saying, stay rooted. The Lord is saying, don't jump. The Lord is saying, don't take things into your own hands. Trust my word above your logic. Trust my voice. Do you understand how much God wanted them to be like real? God wanted them to really, really believe what was said. What is the word? The ship will sink, but you will be alive. So God wanted that to become the ground that they will stand on. So even the lifeboat, see the lifeboat was like their plan B. Okay, I will do my best. If nothing happens, this is what I will do. I will give my 100% and they did give their 100%. If you read the chapter, they did give their 100%. And then the, then the final thing was saying, okay, it's not working out, but I have a lifeboat. All this while, they didn't touch the lifeboat. But when everything else was exhausted, when they saw that the land was drawing so close, they said, now it is time for us to get off this ship. Now it is time for us to leave this ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer, you have to stay. Look at your neighbor and say, stay. Stay in your place of promises. Stay in your place of hearing God's word. Stay where God is speaking to you. Yeah. See, the reason that they had to stay on the ship was because Apostle Paul was on the ship. The lifeboat is not big enough for all the passengers. Read the previous verse. It says, the sailors, they tried to abandon the ship. Okay, so there are different groups of people on the ship. There are soldiers. Then there are sailors. And then there are prisoners. What are the three groups? The sailors, the soldiers, and the prisoners. Okay? The soldiers, they are the ones who have hired the ship. The sailors are the ones who know how to run the ship. The prisoners are at the mercy of the soldiers. Okay? The sailors, they are like, okay, let them die. Let's at least save our lives. Right? And that's when Paul reaches out and says, tell them, if they leave this ship, they're all going to die. Because the grace of God is connected to my life. Because the prisoners are not the ones leaving the ship. The prisoners are on the ship. Still. And Paul is a prisoner. And Paul is saying, guys, guys, guys. Wherever I am, you have to be. If you leave this ship before I leave this ship, <laughs> you're toast. So you have to stay close to me. Because Paul was the steward of God's voice. Paul was the one bringing them hope. Paul was the one who was hearing from God. Paul, weren't you also hopeless yesterday? Went you in the same fear, in the same mess like everybody else? Yes, you were. But now, Paul was the one who, were, who was being used by God to revive their hope. 
And so their chance of survival is only as big as their connection to Apostle Paul. Or their nearness to Apostle Paul. Their proximity to the man of God bringing the word of God. So as much as they don't like the man of God, they have to stay close to the man of God. They are not obligated to be close to Paul, but they have to be close to Paul. Because Paul is the one bringing the word to them. <laughs> the Bible says, stay. Come on, loudly, stay. stay. So, so when the sailors were about to leave, and Apostle Paul went to the commanding officer and said, Guys, if, if the sailors leave, everybody dies. So it's better the sailors don't leave. So, you know, the soldiers, they, they, they're like, by now they had known that, okay, Apostle Paul is a man of God. So read the next verse, okay? So the soldiers, do you know what they did? <laughs> they cut the ropes to the lifeboat and they let it drift away. They didn't let the sailors leave. The soldiers took control of the ship. They're like, okay guys, you've, you've, you've done it <laughs> for the last 14 days and you've already lost the battle. But now, I, I am listening to a man of God. He may be a prisoner, but I'm listening to a man of God. Now I'm going to obey what the man of God says. When they cut the ropes, see, I would have taught these soldiers to not allow the sailors to go but instead the soldiers get on the ship and on the boat and go but when the soldiers when they cut that ropes they were cutting the last hope that they have for a plan b they were saying okay this is it man of god it's either you or heaven <laughs> it's, we're either going to stand on the word that you're giving us or i'm going to die trying but there is no second option that I will have. I'm not going to run away. No boat left to escape. I'm going to burn every bridge that I have. There are some, some bridges that God burns for you. And there are some ropes that you need to cut for yourself. See, you remember, they, had, they, had, they, they were trying to stay close to the, the shore, but God put the wind in such a way that they will... They couldn't depend, you know. There were some things that God did to break your dependence on these things, these people. But there are some ropes that you need to cut yourself just so you can, you can stay close. You can be, your proximity can be next to Apostle Paul. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, cut the ropes. If you forget everything else, you need to remember this. Cut the ropes. Because you like it or not, God is going to allow some shipwrecks. God is going to take off some foundations that you're standing on. Don't worry about that. God will do it in his time. But this is what you need to do to you. So if you need to grow in your faith, you need to cut the ropes. If that rope is your friend, cut those ropes. If that rope is, you know, a belief system, cut those ropes. If that rope is that one consolation you have given yourself, that at the end of the day, this person will be there, just cut that rope. There are certain things that you have to cut the ropes off so that you can stay close to the word of God. You can stay close to the voice of God. 
And when they did this, this was God understanding that these guys are serious about believing Apostle Paul. Now, they have actually grown in their faith. It says, the next verse, Just as the day was dawning, Paul, he urged everyone to eat. For 14 days, they have not eaten, including Apostle Paul. For 14 days, they have not had food. Not because there's no food on the ship. They are attending a church where there is a good word. Every morning podcast comes. They don't even hit play. They hit play, but they are not listening to the word. You know, Not because there's no food, but they are not eating it. But then Apostle Paul said, okay, guys, I think now it's time for us to eat. Now that you believe, now that you trust, now you need strength. It's not enough that we strengthen the ship. It's necessary that you be strengthened. And our strength is necessary to survive this storm. It is, trust me, it's not, it's not the boat that is going to help us survive. It is our inner strength that is going to help us survive. So you know he, what he did? He said, you've been worried so much that you haven't touched food for two weeks. Worried so much that you've not opened your Bible for two weeks. You've been worried so much. You've been under the weight of depression so much. You've been under the weight of that thought process so much. That you've, you've, not, you've not been giving your ears to what God is speaking. So I think now it's time for you to... Now that you've, you've decided this is going to be my hope. Now it's time that you start eating your food. Now you're not eating for survival because you, you've already decided where your survival is going to be. Now you're eating because you, you want to strengthen yourself. Paul... Why are you asking us to survive? I mean, strengthen ourselves in the middle of this storm. Let this storm pass away and then we will have a party. Then we will celebrate, no? But God is an expert in preparing a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. Not in the absence. Not after the storm passes away. You know, Jesus, he had communion with his disciples right before his arrest. Right when Judas was on the way to get him arrested. <laughs> this is the time when Jesus should be panicking, right? And that's when Jesus says, okay, now this is the time. This is the moment when we will break bread. This is when we will enjoy communion. Because you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Come on, church. Can you just sit and enjoy the word of God in the middle of your chaos? I want you to do this. Go back into your diary, into your phone, into your apps, into your notes, wherever you save, whatever God has spoken to you over the years, and sit in the middle of a chaotic situation and start reading those prophecies. You know what you're doing? You're eating food. You're just eating food because there is going to be strength that will be deposited inside you when you eat this word that God has given you years ago. You have to just start eating them when, when the storm is still raging, when the storm is still high, start eating the food. And verse 34, it says, Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair on your head will perish. So God is saying, guys, don't worry about your protection now. Your protection 
has already been taken care of the moment you cut the ropes off. You're, not a hair on your head will be lost. But now, it's not enough that you survive. It's also necessary that you come out of this good, strengthened, strong. You cannot just come out of the storm somehow being a survivor. You have to come out of your storm as more than a conqueror. You have to come riding on the wave, walking on the water, not, you know, drenched in the water. Amen? And so he's saying, for your own good, eat some food. So then Apostle Paul, he took the lead. It says in verse 35, then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece, and he ate it. Apostle Paul gave, put the right example. He's like, okay guys, look at my example and do what I'm doing. Just do what I'm doing. I know you're more hopeless than I am, but just follow my example. Just see what I'm doing. Just see how I'm going to enjoy this food. How I'm going to enjoy my communion. You know, I believe, I personally believe this was him doing communion in, on, a, on the ship. In a chaotic environment. But pastor, everybody else were unbaptized people on the ship. You know, all the religious spirits manifest. You know, how, how can you do communion? You know, you don't know how many people come to a church and they're like, Pastor, did you know that guy was not baptized? How did you give uh, communion to that guy? How many of you know that the disciples that Jesus gave communion to, they were not baptized? <laughs> See, when did baptism get established? After the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But what is baptism? Baptism is a symbol of being added into the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had not yet been dead. Jesus had not yet been buried. Jesus had not yet resurrected. They had, these guys had not yet been technically baptized when they took communion before the, before the crucifixion. And now you're wondering, should I, this guy is an unbeliever, should I give him the bread? <laughs> Will it be sinful? Paul says, guys, just do what I am doing. Look at, look at my courage. I am going to take communion in this chaotic situation. Took the bread, broke the bread, gave thanks to God for it. And he began to eat it. There is something so powerful about communion in a chaotic experience. See, you should, you should remember, Jesus, the Bible says, he was traveling with these two guys, two foolish guys. The whole direction, whole way, Jesus is teaching them the Bible. And still their eyes are not open. Finally, Jesus said, okay, I have to do communion with them. He took them to the house. He took the bread gave thanks to God for it and he broke the bread and immediately their eyes were opened. Immediately they could see who Jesus was. So when you break bread, when you strengthen yourself, man, people around you, they will have revelations of things that, that they were blinded to till now. Apostle Paul and Silas, when they enjoyed communion with God in the jail, the, the neighboring prisoners, their prison chain broke off. Why? Because somebody else had communion with God in the prison. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Here Apostle Paul says, let's just follow my example. Just do what I'm doing. Okay? Then it says, 
verse 36 and 37, it says, Then everyone was encouraged and they began to eat. All of a sudden, Paul preached a powerful sermon. It doesn't say they were encouraged. But now Paul began to break bread and he began to feed himself. It says, when they saw that, I'm just giving a few pause so that it will sink into your spirit. Just try to understand. What did they see? They didn't see some miracle of a second ship coming out of the water. Nothing. All that they saw is one guy peacefully sitting and eating his food. When the storms are going all out. It says when they saw that, all 276 of them, they were encouraged. And they also began to eat. Wow. May, may your hunger for God be contagious. May your appetite be contagious. May your communion with God be contagious in this season. May your relationship with God be contagious. That those who don't have a relationship, those who don't have courage, that those who didn't believe with your preaching at them, they will begin to believe when you begin to eat. When you begin to have communion with God, when you begin to worship God. And it says, all 276 of them who were on board, they began to eat. Apostle Paul, why did you need all of them to eat? Because the promise was that all of them should survive. Right? And now he's saying, not only should they survive, they should all be, also be good when they survive. So they have to eat along with me. It says, after eating the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat that was there overboard now they are saying this is the last meal that we are taking you see the previous cargo that they threw off it was not food food was still left after the meal was over what they threw off was even the food they're like we are what they were doing is a prophetic declaration that we are not going to be on the ship for long this is our last meal. Now we really believe that we are going to get to this shore. It says, when morning dawned, they didn't realize the coastline. They didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach. And everybody said, wondered. You remember how they progressed? Initially they thought, then they sensed, but now they're wondering because now they're walking in the spirit realm. Now, now it's, a, it's, a, it's an atmosphere of wondering. Now they're in wonder of what God is speaking to them and showing them. Because through the man of God, God has also said that the ship will be shipwrecked. Yeah. So now they're saying, okay, man of God said there will be a shipwreck. So if there is a coast that we can see, can we just, you know, get this ship shipwrecked into an island? Do you see how now all their earlier, even though they had listened to the man of God, they were still trying the boat. But now they are saying, okay, man of God, you said shipwreck. Now let's try and make the shipwreck happen. Yeah. Now they are functioning in alignment to the word of God. See, I'm not against you doing works. I'm against you doing works when there is no word from God for that works. When God has said, 
I will bless you in business. Go ahead, put your money into business. God will bless. When God has said, don't quit your work, then don't quit your work. You know, and God will bless you there. I'm, I'm not against you doing work. I'm just against you doing work where God has not spoken something. Here God has said, you are going to be shipwrecked. Now they are, they are saying, okay, how can we get shipwrecked? Now they are excited about the loss of the ship. Because they are like, read. Now they wondered if they could get, the, get to the shore by running the ship aground. So this is what they did. This is the last rope. Are you ready for this? So they cut off the anchors. This anchor was what kept them on the ground for the whole night. This anchor is what allowed them to have communion. Now they cut off the last four anchors that kept the ship in a state of rest. It says, then they lowered the rudders and they raised the foresail and they headed toward the shore. They had not yet seen the shore clearly, but by faith, you see, you see, in the previous they said they didn't recognize the coastline, which means they couldn't see. But by faith, now they have raised the sails and they are traveling by faith. Okay? It says, and suddenly, verse 41, they hit a shoal and they ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and it began to break apart. It began to break apart. The soldiers, you remember the soldiers? There were three groups of people. Who are the three groups of people? The sailors, the soldiers, and the prisoners. The sailors were like, okay, let's just, you know, save ourselves. sailors, the the soldiers and the prisoners. At least we will be saved, yeah? But the soldiers said, no, 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 nothing doing. Either we are all saved or we are all sinking. Then finally, when the shipwreck happened, the soldiers are like, let's get rid of all these prisoners. Because if these prisoners get to the shore, they will run. They will be saved. But it says the soldiers want to kill all the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. Okay? But the commanding officer, he wanted to spare Paul. Why? Because he knows his life depends on Paul. Only if Paul is alive, I will be alive. If I allow my soldiers to kill Paul, see, technically speaking, that's what the soldiers are instructed to do. If there is a situation like this where the soldiers can escape, it's better they are killed than you allow them to escape. That is the protocol. But the commanding officer said, no, 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 no. I have to keep Paul alive by hook or by crook. I need to obey Paul and I need to keep him alive. He says, so he, he, he didn't let them carry out the plan. He didn't let them do what they had desired to do. And he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and then make for the land. Come on. You're saying what the lifeboat couldn't do, you're going to do by swimming? Please understand. I, I, want, you to, I want you to logically put your head into this. Paul gave a word from the Lord saying, if the, the lifeboat, everybody is going to sink. But now, the commanding officer in submission to Paul, he's saying, don't kill Paul, 
Instead, let those who want to swim, let them swim. Are you saying what the lifeboat couldn't do, your swimming lessons is going to be able to help you do? In a storm, that too. Okay, well, let's read the next part. Okay, that's even more crazy. It says, the others who didn't know swimming, they held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. <laughs> and, read it loudly with me. What the ship couldn't do, what the lifeboat couldn't do, what the gear couldn't do, what all their experience couldn't do. A man of God who was in submission to Apostle Paul, to the word of God. He said, guys, let's swim. All that you have left is a plank of wood, which you didn't know you will have. You have a plank of wood. Hold on to that. And it says, everyone escaped safely to shore. Please understand, God's plans may look foolish on the outset, but they will be safe when you reach the other side. That is the safest plan to take, God's plan. As hard as it may be, as challenging as it may look like, if you will trust God's plan, you will come out of this victorious in Jesus' name. Tell your neighbor, cut the ropes and eat your meal. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. Apostle Paul says, We sent Timothy to visit you. Why? So that he can strengthen you to encourage you in your faith. Apostle Paul is saying, I couldn't come there, but I sent Timothy. I sent a man of God with the words that I gave him so that he can come and give that word to you. And when that word comes to you, you will be what? Strengthened and you will be encouraged in your faith. You'll be encouraged in your faith. So in this season, we have to value the Apostle Paul's. And we have to value Apostle Timothy's. In this season, we have to value the words that God speak to us. In this season, we have to value the encounters of angels that come in the middle of the night. In this season, we have to value that one statement that we received. In this season, we have to say, God, we thank you because this one word is enough to strengthen me. It is enough to encourage my faith. Verse 3, why was this necessary? So that he can, that word, that strengthening, that faith, it can keep you from being shaken by the troubles that you were going through. But you know, we are destined for such troubles. Look at your neighbor and say, we are destined. There are some troubles that is destined for you. Yeah. Do you know that the wind and the waves that hit the house that was built on the sand and the house that was built on the rock, both the houses got hit. So nobody's free of troubles. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So Paul is saying, please remember, we are destined for such troubles. You like it or not, there are going to be shipwrecks along the way. You like it or not, the weather is going to change in some seasons of life, in some areas of life. You may have 100 things working good for you, but there'll be that one pain, one thorn in the flesh that may hurt you. So Paul says, the reason your faith had to be strengthened and equipped and encouraged is so that you will not be shaken. 
Come on, make it your confession. Confession. I will not be shaken. This morning there is a grace released for you to not be shaken. Ah, you have to say, I receive that. I receive that. I receive that. When the word comes, it's because God is giving us a grace to walk in it. Verse 7. Now Apostle Paul says, Now we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. See, you see, there is one season of life when Apostle Paul and Timothy is strengthening the church. Now the church, when they are strengthened, their faith is strengthening Apostle Paul. Ah, can it be that Apostle Paul needs strengthening from somebody he is leading? He is the overseer over this church. He is the apostolic voice over this church. But if the church is living in discouragement, then that is automatically also going to affect the shepherd of the church. And he is saying, when we saw your faith, See, initially we came to you so we can strengthen you. But now that you're strengthened, now that you're encouraged, when we saw your faith, when we saw your worship, when we saw your communion, he says, guess what? <laughs> we also have been greatly encouraged because we have been in the midst of our own troubles and our own persecution, our, our own pain. You should know, the pastors that bring you the word week after week, it's not very easy for them. There are people that think that, ah, it's so easy for you. You, you have everything sorted out in life. You have so much money. You have a family that loves you. It doesn't mean that they have everything sorted out. You have no idea how many battles they have to face so they can bring the word to you. But your faith, your celebration... Your love for God, your encouragement can also encourage them. Yeah. That is why you should remember when you come to church on a Sunday morning, you're not coming only to just receive encouragement. Your encouragement has to be so much that it will overflow even into your man of God. That your, your pastor should go back happy every Sunday. Yeah. The way that you respond to sermons, huh, it should, it, should, it should make them feel like they are, they are the best preacher in the church. Uh, this church, this church has to be different. The way that you respond to the worship, that worship leader may be in depression the whole week. But the way that you dance and worship before God, when the worship leader leaves the church, he has to go out with, wow, today the Lord moved. Today the Lord used us to encourage the church. And so they will go back encouraged. They will go back strengthened. Come on now. I'll tell you how serious Apostle Paul is in saying this. Are you ready for the next verse? Okay. Verse 8. What is he saying? <laughs> Who can give me new life? Jesus can, right? Paul is saying, when I observed your life, it gives me, it gives me new life, new newness. I am renewed in my own bones and flesh when I observed your faith. 
See, your faith is a result of my preaching. Your worship is a result of me bringing the word of God here. But when you give yourself in response to that word, that is now going to give me new life to go and pursue God further. This is how we go strength to strength. This is how we go glory to glory. So next week when I come back, I don't come back with the same level I came this morning. Next week I come back with the new life that I received this morning when I was ministering to you. Ah, I hope you're receiving in the spirit. Verse 9. How we thank God for you. Hmm. This morning, I thank God for you, BRC. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Uh, may you be a reason for your pastors to be happy. Apostle Paul says in Hebrews, Obey your leaders. Submit to your leaders. If you cause them sorrow, it will not be for your benefit. But do it in such a way that they, they will have joy. You have to do your life in such a way that your man of God will be happy. Ah, it says, for we thank God for you because, read with me, because of you. Not because of Jesus. <laughs> there is a joy that comes from Jesus. But there is a joy that comes to me because of my sheep. There is a joy that comes to me because of my children in the Lord. It says, because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. And that's why night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again. To do what? To fill the gaps in your faith. So you see the third level of growing in faith? What is the first level? It was to cut off all the ropes. The second level was to eat the food, eat the meal. And now Apostle Paul says, now when I see how you're responding to the meal that I'm giving you, now that gives me new life to go back into the presence of God, to enter with joy into the presence of God so that night and day, I can pray earnestly asking God to let us see you so that I can fill the gaps in your faith. So the more there are gaps in your faith, I can bring help from God to fill in the gaps of your faith. See, Paul is writing to a church that is already faithful, that is already having faith in the midst of troubles and persecution. And Paul says, but because of your joy, if you didn't give me joy, I wouldn't have been able to fill the gaps now. Your faith will not be wholesome. It will be there because you've cut the ropes. You'll be there because you're eating the right food. But there are still gaps left. But when, when you allow me to do this with joy, when there is perfect surrender and submission to my voice, then... When I come back to you, I will come back with help to fill in even the gaps. Cut the ropes. Eat your meal. Fill the gaps. One more time. Cut the ropes. Eat your meal. 
Fill the gaps. Say it with me, with me. Don't repeat after me. Say it with me. Cut the ropes. Eat your meal. Fill. One more time. Cut the ropes. Eat your meal. Fill the gaps. One more time. Cut the ropes. Eat your meal.